0: this morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 and we have been walking through this journey of death to life and part of this journey is breaking down the word of God in a unique way and that is taking it verse by verse and so we started way back seems like forever ago in chapter one but there's only been actually four weeks this is week five Um, and I want to kind of walk back through these first four chapters so if you're just here for the first time you're going to get a recap so you'll know where we're headed for for chapter 6. So chapter 1, this is Paul's prayer to encourage believers to find our true wealth in Christ to encourage us and also remind us of the tools that God's already given us you see in this prayer in chapter 1 of Ephesians what Paul is, is actually telling the people from Ephesus, is, is hey you already have everything you need i'm just going to pray that you figure it out and you're able to use the gifts that god has already given you well then chapter two we see god's desires to work through us and paul is challenging us in chapter two to work through the father you see we were dead and headed on a highway to hell not the acdc highway to hell, but we we're headed on the highway to hell and jesus rescued us from that we were living in the flesh And it was only grace, God's grace, and the sacrifice that he made that brought us salvation. And so that's what we see in chapter 2. And we also see that we must live for him and we must be bearers of good fruit. In chapter 3, we saw that this is Paul's second prayer in Ephesians. His prayer was specific for knowledge and reveals the intent of the gospel to be lived through us. Paul specifically prays for spiritual strength. Paul prays for our strength to be found through salvation and salvation only. He prays for a depth of knowledge for us. He prayed for us to seize the word, to own it, and to pray for us to live a fullness of God. And what we learned in that day is the only way we can live live out the fullness of God is if we're doing so through his word. And then in chapter 4 last week, we learned that the solution happens in chapter 4. The very first key word that we see in chapter 4, verse 1, was therefore. So the first three chapters, Paul was setting us up. He was telling us everything that we had, all the tools that we had, how to apply the tools to our life. And then chapter 4 through chapter 6, we get to see this is how we do it. And so there's a there's a start. There's a call to action. He spent the first three chapters challenging us to this. And so what do we see that's happening today? Today in chapter five, what do we see? It's a chapter all about family. It's a chapter all about God's family right here. As Kathy shared earlier, we're all family. But it's not just about the family in the body of Christ. It's about our individual families. And how we're bringing them to Christ. Now I told Carla last night. That I was so excited about. This particular book. Because I get to talk about. How wives have to be submissive to their husbands. (laughs) And she looked at me and she said. Yeah whatever. But we're not even going to get that far today. We're only going to go through. Actually through verse 21 today. So I'm saving that for her for next week. Because I'm hoping that through this week. This week that she will learn all the things she's doing wrong so that she'll be submissive by Sunday. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. And I'm in the doghouse for sure, but that's okay. So if you'll look with me, we're going to start chapter 5, verse 1. And here we go again. Here's, a, here's that same word. Therefore, be intimidators, imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. Which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an adulterer, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Let us pray. Father, we just pray this morning that as we break open your word and we examine it, God, you would break open our hearts. Father, you would speak clearly to us this morning. God, I pray for a convicting spirit this morning. God, I pray for a merciful spirit this morning. And God, I thank you for your grace that we can come to you. And God, you can minister to us and you can correct us in love. And Father, I'm so thankful for your word that it helps us to learn how we need to live each day of our life so that we would bring honor and glory to you. And Father, I pray for this time now and pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So as we look at the word, the first thing I want us to look at today is what is the definition of family? When I think about the definition of family, I think about when I was growing up, I watched television shows like, Leave it to Beaver, Ozzy and Harriet. Now, they were reruns. Okay, back probably in Connie and Sanders' time, they were new shows, but they were reruns for me. Andy Griffith. How many shows did we watch back in the day that taught us wholesome family things? And then we had in the, in the, in the middle of the 70s, what show came out that showcased families being blended together? The Brain Bunch. Then we started seeing as the world started changing, we started seeing shows start to change. We had the Waltons. We had Little House on the Prairie to remind us of the simpler times. A time when we sat on the front porch. But today, what do we have? The examples of family that we have today we find on television are filled with families that are blended, families that are homosexual, couples that are together. Families that are one parent, families that are no parent. And then we have all these new shows that are coming out that are basically just pornography. And hear me this morning. I'm not a turn and burn preacher by any means. But when I look at our world today, what I see is sin has engulfed our world. But isn't that what God says is going to happen? Doesn't God tell us in his word that things are going to continue to get worse and continue to spiral? And the things that we think are truth are going to be flipped upside down? And how much of that do we see right now in our world? How much of our world right now is flipped completely upside down with our beliefs? So how do we combat that? How do we live through that? Where does our hope come from? Our hope comes from here. Our hope comes from the Word. We can watch television all day long. One of my favorite shows in the world is Blue Bloods. It comes on every Friday night, 10 o'clock. And I've seen every episode probably 15 or 20 times. I watch reruns of it all the time. And the coolest part about that show is the fact that every episode, you have family that comes together. And they talk about their issues every Sunday, regardless of where they're at in their life. They come, they sit down at the table, and they talk through it. And what you always see? You always see something. I don't know if you've seen the show or not, but... But you always see family, you know, brothers and sisters arguing back and forth across each other. And then what do you see dad and grandpa do? They're the voice of reason, you know, because they're elder. They're the voice of reason. They're the men of the family. They're voice of reason. And, of course, at the end of the episode, they always catch the guy. You know, it amazes me how they catch the crook in one hour. It's, it's, it's been that way for years. But when I, when I look at that and I see, you know, even as, as, as much as I love that show, that's not where I get my hope. That's not where I get my example for my family. God gives us the framework in his word for how we are to be a family. And we see a lot of it even right here in Ephesians 5. So with all of this, what are we to do as Christians. What's the first step that we do as Christians? The first step comes in verse one. Be imitators of God. My first point today, and I only have two points today, believe it or not. But the first point is walk in love. Be imitators of God. We are to mimic God, to work and to try our best to be like him. And the way that we act, the way that we parent, the way that we carry ourselves, even the way that we give ourselves is a living sacrifice. In Romans 12, 1, it tells us, I appeal to you, therefore, again, there's that therefore, here's the action. By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And we look on down in verse 2, 3, and 4. Do not be immoral. Hold on, don't hold on to bitterness. No sin needs to be among us. The way that we joke with one another, the way that we talk to one another, the language that we use, the way that we look at others. Paul does not leave any questioning here as to how we're to act as Christians and to be the example for our families and for the body of Christ. Our family consists of the body of Christ and our birth family both together. So behind closed doors is just as important as the way we respond with the body of Christ. Let me say that again. The way we respond behind closed doors is the same. We should respond with the body of Christ. That means if we're coming down the road 15 minutes late for church and we're smacking Susie in the back because she just can't get her stuff together. And, and, the, and the two boys are fighting and, and, and husband and wife are fighting and Carla are fighting and we're saying, shut up, do you shut up. And then we, we open the door to the car. And the first thing we see is Jack. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm wonderful, Jack. No, I'm not. I'm a mixed up person. It's time for us to drop the charade and be real with each other. Because here's the deal. If I come to Jack and say, Jack, I am struggling today. You know what I know? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that man right there is going to be praying for me. I can't tell you how many times in the last two weeks. I've told you, we got, Jack, I need you to pray for your pastor because we are struggling at home. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm not a man. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have struggles. It doesn't mean that my kid's not going to be bounced off the walls. Just this morning, I had to to, to sit in my car and I had to negotiate with my four-year-old Terrace. (laughs) She wanted to wear her pink play shoes that look awful. And we wanted her in black shoes to match her outfit because we've got to match. And she said no. And she threw her shoe down while I'm driving down the road. She's ready to throw it down. So what does dad do? First thing I want to do is well up and say, I'm going to beat your high end. I actually didn't tell her that I think. But then I thought, what's her first love? Reese's cups. And so I told her, and she would already planned on she wanted to have Reese's cups for her and Miss Brenda downstairs in the nursery They're probably on a sugar high down there right now. (laughs) But here's what I told her. I said, look, you put your black shoes on, you get your Reese's Cups. You don't put your black shoes on, you don't get any Reese's Cups. Well, she argued for a minute, and I I stood my ground. I said, no Reese's Cups. I was going to stop over here at the dollar store and get your Reese's Cups. I ain't getting no Reese's Cups. You don't put them shoes on. And then it went silent for a couple of minutes. that's when you know the deal's about to happen. And I hear her mama from the back. Where's my black shoes? And you know what? She come walking in the door and some black shoes. But she got a whole bag of Reese's Cups. So I don't know who the one. But here's the thing. Pick your battles. I could have very easily stood my ground and beat that child and beat that child. She would eventually put the black shoes on, right? But it would have been out of here. It would have been completely out of fear. And I'd love to tell you that I'm perfect, but I am going to tell you something. I've lost my my cool for the last two, three weeks. I really have. Because at 49, dealing with a four-year-old is very, very difficult. And I do covet your prayers. Carla covets your prayers. But here's what I can tell you. If I walk in the light, if I look down this list, then I at least know I can try. That doesn't mean I'm going to get it right all the time, right? In fact, here's a note that I wrote in in point number two. We walk as children of light in verses 5 through 14. Since God is light, we are imitators of God. We are to walk in light also. Make sure you catch that. God is light. Verse 1 tells us we are to imitate the Father. So to imitate the Father means that we... Are to walk in the light. And in the dark nastiness of this world, we need all the light we can get. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, but oh, preacher, there's no way I can walk in the light. I cannot mimic God. I can't be the same as God. I'm going to fail. I'm going to have problems. People will see me fail. I don't want anybody to see me fail. Get this point? It's how we respond to our failures that define who we are in Christ. It's okay for our kids to see us fail. It's okay for our coworkers to see us fail. It's how we respond that determines whether they see the gospel through us. Because we're going to fail. We're sinners saved by grace. How we respond defines who we are in the Father. Do you realize we're saints? We've been called out of darkness into the light. 1 Peter 2.9 What we see in these verses is a path of destruction. It starts out with an innocent joke, just a slip of a drink or a shady or funny joke. However, the small things start to add up. The blindness that happens to the root of who we are in our sin nature. Then we get completely out of the will of God. You see, it never starts out with, I'm an alcoholic. It starts out with one small sip. And then it goes from there. It never starts out with, I'm just going to go, you know, have an affair. It starts out with an innocent text. Or a joke. And from there, it starts to expand. And once it starts to expand, it, it starts to snowball before we know it. So, how can we make sure that don't happen? We stay in the Word. We ground ourselves in the Word. We hide the Word in our hearts so that when those occasions happen, there's no question when the Holy Spirit's saying, Mike, you're making a mistake here. I don't have to say, Oh, I can't hear that. I can't hear that because I can hear it loud and clear because God is speaking through His Word. We must take a stand for light. Our kids have to see the stands that we take for light. In verse 5, we see Paul shared that if you partake in these sins, you will have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. I want, to, I want to address this verse right here because this verse is used by several denominations to say, you see, you can lose your salvation. That is not what this verse means. Hear me with this this morning. This is the difference in the Baptist faith and a lot of other denominations that are out there. Because we firmly believe that if you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are signed, sealed, delivered. Oh, yeah. This verse with Paul is writing here, he is covering the people of Ephesus. There was a lot of fake Christians in Ephesus because they were still worshiping their idol gods. And so what he was saying to the people is you can fake it all you want, but until you actually give your life to Jesus, you're never going to see the real change and you're going to act it out. And so you will not have an inheritance of the kingdom because you have never given yourselves to Christ fully. That's one of the things that scares me when I see all these crusades that happen around our country and around our world because you see people raise their hand that they love Jesus, but they never experience a change. The heart change determines the fruit that we bear. If the heart never changes, then the, the, then the body will never bear fruit. If the body never bears fruit, then there's a pretty good indication that you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. I can't judge that. That's between you and the Lord. But in Paul's writing, he wants to make clear that we have to have that relationship. We are the light. 2 Corinthians 6.14-7.1 through 7, 1. That's your homework today. Write that down. 2 Corinthians 6.14-7.1 through 7, 1. What those verses come to tell you is that we are a temple of God. We are to walk in the light and we are to be a light to this messed up world. We are to be a holy temple in the way that we carry ourselves. Now, think about this for a second. If, you're, if a surgeon is operating on you, would you want them to use a light? Absolutely we would. We want them to use a light because we want them to see everything. We want them to see what's going on with us. Light opens up the world. Light opens up the issues that we have. Light reveals God. Light produces fruit, but light exposes what is wrong. Light reveals the truth and exposes all things that are wrong. In the past 28 days, many of us have been on this journey together of praying together. We've been reading God's word. We've been praying. We've been asking God what things need to change in our lives so that we can be a light in such a a dark place. I want to ask you a question this morning as they come and get a song. Those that have been here each and every Sunday, if you're new, you're, you're exempt from what I'm getting ready to ask. If you're not doing the 28 or not doing the purpose of prayer with us for the 40 days, if you're not doing the return to me, why? Why have you not joined us? What is stopping you from opening your word every day and growing in your faith? If you're visiting with us and you've not been a part, this is your official invitation. We want you to join us. Because I want to tell you something. God is on the move in the hearts of His people here. I see it. I feel it. Even with all the messed up lyrics on the screen today, the Spirit of God has been here. Amen? Amen. Join us in it. Let God re your heart to what He wants it to be. You know, I spent many, many years trying to make life into what I wanted. And what I learned in that time is no matter how much money I had, it didn't matter. I wanted more. The last 10 years of my life, I have lived completely out on faith. I have no retirement. I have no 401K. I don't have any of that. And you know what? I don't care. Because when it's all said and done, it's all going to be gone anyways. My heart for our church is to yourself completely out of the Father. Now, I'm not saying I want you to write a million-dollar check and put us that stock on the same all. What I'm saying is when people look at your life, what do they see as the number one thing in your life? That's what determines where you are in your relationship with Christ. When we evaluate ourselves, and this week we had the question asked to us, those that are in the study, where do you see yourself right now? Where are you right now in your walk? If people look at your checkbook, what do they see? If people look at your work ethic, what do they see? If people look at the way you act in sports, what do they see? Our role is to mimic God, to be the light in this dark place. As you stand with me today, I just want you to know this altar is open. Maybe you're thinking, maybe social distancing. I'm not going to do that. You know that's fine. You can pray right where you are. God can touch your heart in that pew just the same as He can down here. The only thing that's different is when you come here and you make it public and you drop to your knees. You're saying not only to God, I surrender, but you're saying it to everybody else sitting here. And you know what? They don't. They don't care. They're going to pray for you. They don't care what's going on. They care enough. They want to pray, but they're not going to ask you, Hey, why are you going to altar today? That's between you and the Lord. This is a safe place for us to come. That's the thing. That's my probably my greatest desire for this church is when people come here on Sunday, they know it's safe. They can come and they can just leave it where it's at and walk out of here renewed and refreshed. Stay with me this morning. I'm gonna pray, Father. We love you so much, God. I pray in this time of invitation, Father, that you would just speak to our hearts, and Father, I pray that you would just move in our hearts today. God, I do pray for conviction. Not that people would fall on this altar, but people would fall to you. And Father, we give this time to you now that you can do surgery on us. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen.